Hello, friends. Glad you're here neuroqueering with me today. I'm your host, Pasha Marlowe, marriage and family therapist turned neuroqueer coach. And I love creating neurodiverse and queer friendly spaces for conversations about expansive learning, living, and loving. So let's skip the long intros and the bios and the sales pitches and all the small talk and go splunking into the world of neuroqueering, where fluid and vulnerable conversations will hopefully leave you, your truest self, feeling seen, heard, and known. Neuroqueering is about unmasking, revealing, and healing ourselves and our society. And I am a mama bear at heart, so get ready for some much-needed TLC, too. Okay, friends, let's dig in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Neuroqueering, Beyond the Intersection of Neurodiversity and Queerness. As promised, we are skipping small talk and digging right in. I'm your host, Pasha Marlowe. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I have ADHD. I have autism. I have queerness. I am COVID. I am chronic illness. Wait, 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 wait. None of these sound right. I am not COVID. I have COVID. I am not chronic illness. I have chronic illness. I do not have queerness. I am queer. Likewise, I do not have autism. I am autistic. So why the heck do I still find myself saying I have ADHD? When we say we have something, it implies we have a disorder or a problem. We would never say someone has homosexuality because we know it's innate. Well, ADHD isn't as innate as our sexuality. And yet I am ADHD still sounds weird, doesn't it? Of course, in reference to the term ADHD itself, adult deficit hyperactivity disorder, it's so damn negative and pathologizing. Why would anyone want to say, I am deficit, I am disorder? The misguided name for the neurotype ADHD aside, how would it feel to say, I am ADHD? Just as you may say, I am autistic or I am queer. Let that roll around your tongue for a while. And yes, I know that some words are neutral and it's the meaning we give them that leads to pathologizing stigma and shame. Unlike disability, an example of a neutral term, I feel like by definition, disorder implies there is one right order or way to be or move or feel disordered compared to what state of order. And while I'm at it, why do we say high functioning or low functioning compared to what? Compared to who? Who decided what normal functioning is and how humans should be? There's so much to say about this in so little time, and I promise short episodes. So we're going to dig deeper into the language and social versus medical models, especially as they pertain to disability in the upcoming weeks. This today is a great time to talk about the neurodiversity paradigm and the pathology paradigm. I will consistently refer back to Nick Walker's work again and offer quotes from her mind-opening and affirming book, Neuroqueer Heresies. She writes, quote, a paradigm is not just an idea or a method. A paradigm is a set of fundamental assumptions or principles, 
a mindset or frame of reference that shapes how one, one thinks about and talks about a given subject. A paradigm shapes the ways in which one interprets information and determines what sort of questions one asks and how one asks them. A paradigm is a lens through which one views reality, end quote. A paradigm shift is a shift in our fundamental assumptions. It requires us to redefine our terms or rephrase our questions, alter our language, completely rethink our approaches. This is what we're doing today. So let's take the widely dominant paradigm in our culture, the pathology paradigm, where the fundamental assumptions are there is one right, normal, and healthy way for human brains to function. Two, if your functioning way of thinking or behaving diverge from the normal standard, then you are wrong, broken, disordered, and need to be fixed. Such as in applied behavioral analysis, ABA treatment, trying to make kids with autism fit neurotypical standards, or as some refer to it, autistic conversion therapy, which is, in my opinion, as damaging as gay conversion therapy. More on this connection later as well. But I hope we can all agree that we need a paradigm shift. Enter the neurodiversity paradigm, which includes these fundamental principles. One, neurodiversity. The, neuro the diversity among minds is a natural, healthy, and valuable form of human diversity. Two, there is no normal or right style of human brain or mind any more than there is one normal or right ethnicity, gender, or culture. So if we use phrases like, I have autism, or I have ADHD, we are using the language of the pathology paradigm, language that implicitly reinforces the assumption that there is something intrinsically wrong with us. Rather, if we speak of neurodiversity in the same way we speak of ethnic diversity, such as I am white, I am black, we would say, I am autistic. I am ADHD. See how our language helps shape our thoughts and perceptions of ourselves and others? See how self-pathologizing talk breeds internalized oppression and shame? The word normal is used to privilege one human over another so as not to reinforce privilege and thus our marginalization. We say neurotypical rather than normal when we talk about members of the dominant neurological group. Neurotypicals are just simply members of a majority, not healthier or more right, just more common. This is why the word neurodiversity is so important. It states that neurological variation is a natural form of human diversity like all other forms of diversity. So if neurotypicals are the majority, then people with neurodivergence are neuro-minorities. See how that's less pathologizing than saying abnormal or disordered. As Nick Walker writes, words are tools. And as we recognize that the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house, we are creating our own tools, which can help us not only dismantle the master's house, but to build a new house in which we can live better, more empowered lives. What if your beautifully nuanced, 
neurodivergence is not a disorder, not a thing to be fixed. What if you function exactly as you should function? What if society just doesn't understand you yet and is not currently equipped to accommodate your needs or effectively integrate people who function like you? What if your neurodivergence does not make you wrong or broken in any way? But here's where things get tricky because some forms of neurodivergence like autism, dyslexia, ADHD are innate and intrinsic and should never be pathologized. We are these aspects. Other forms of neurodivergence like epilepsy, brain injury, trauma can be removed from an individual without erasing that person's fundamental self. The neurodiversity movement based in the neurodiversity paradigm does not object to consensual, this is important, consensual attempts to cure or treat these forms of neurodivergence, but wholeheartedly objects to discrimination against people who have them. Neurodivergence is a value-neutral term that encompasses any significant divergence from the dominant neurocognitive functioning, autism, dyslexia, epilepsy to PTSD to the brains of Buddhist monks who practice mind-altering long-term meditation, neurodivergence, a term coined not long ago in the year 2000, is intended to be as broadly inclusive as possible. Now, Nick Walker coined the term neuro-minority so that we would have a term to use when wanting to talk specifically about groups of people who all share similar forms of innate developmental neurodivergence for which they might encounter discrimination. For example, autistic people. Neurodivergence, of course, is not a euphemism for autistic or ADHD. There are many ways to be neurodivergent. Many of them bear no resemblance to autism or ADHD. Finally, and this was the biggest challenge for me because I was literally trained to do the opposite by experts in the neurodiversity field, literally told me to say what I'm about to say. The word neurodiverse is widely misused and misunderstood. I was taught to say neurodiverse instead of neurodivergent because it was, according to them, less pathologizing and more inclusive. Like I've literally heard people say it just sounds better than neurodivergent, which I totally get. This is also why you hear people call themselves neurospicy and then neurotypical people, neurobland. I understand that that's all more playful and I'm all about making things more playful and fun. But once I learned about the neurodiversity paradigm and the specifics and the definitions, and more importantly, the implications, I changed my ways. And perhaps after listening to this, you will as well. Here's the thing, sip of water. There is no such thing as a neurodiverse person. An individual can diverge, but an individual cannot be diverse. The word we are looking for is neurodivergent. Neurodiverse does not mean non-neurotypical. The opposite of neurotypical is neurodivergent. Neurotypical and non-neurotypical people, like all human beings, are part of the spectrum of neurodiversity. 
to refer to neurodivergent individuals as neurodiverse is incorrect grammatically because diverse doesn't mean different from the majority. It means made up of multiple different types. This is a group where everyone is neurodivergent in the same way, like a group composed entirely of autistic or entirely of ADHD people. That group wouldn't be neurodiverse. The only time neurodiverse should be used is when we are describing a group of people whose members differ neurocognitively from each other. Nick Walker explains, quote, in addition to being incorrect, it is also oppressive to misuse the word diverse to mean minority, because this misuse of diverse is based in the intrinsically oppressive assumption that there is a detailed normal way of being, and that diversity is about adding non-normative individuals into the normal default environment. It serves to reinforce an ableist mindset in which neurotypical people are seen as intrinsically separate from the rest of humanity, rather than as just another part of the spectrum of neurodiversity. So we wouldn't refer to the autistic or ADHD community or any neuro-minority group, a community of neurodiverse people. We don't want to misuse diverse as a synonym or a euphemism for member of a marginalized or oppressive group, whether you're talking about neurodiversity or ethnic diversity or any other form of diversity. Of course, simply adopting the language isn't the same at all as making meaningful shifts in mindset and behavior. So for instance, we wouldn't say this group welcomes both neurotypicals and the neurodiverse because the spectrum of neurodiversity encompasses the entire human species, including neurotypicals. So the correct phrasing would be, this group is open to both neurotypicals and the neurodivergent. We want to stop speaking to ourselves and others based on the pathology paradigm. And you bet we will be returning to these concepts in the future. We We'll be talking about them potentially in every episode, but it would be just odd if on a neuroqueering podcast, I did not at least briefly explain what the heck neuroqueering meant. And yes, it completely ties into everything we've already discussed. And this definition of neuroqueering is evolving. Every day I learn more about it. But today I understand neuroqueering as the practice of queering, queering meaning subverting, defying, disrupting oneself from. So queering and liberating oneself from neuronormativity or heteronormativity. I use neuroqueer as a label of social identity. I can neuroqueer as a verb and I can be neuroqueer, but Anyone can neuroqueer, even if they are not neurodivergent or queer. As Nick Walker explains, a neuroqueer individual is any individual whose identity, selfhood, gender performance, and or neurocognitive style have in some way been shaped by their engagement in practices of neuroqueering, regardless of what gender, sexual orientation, or style of neurocognitive function they may have been born with. So in short, you are neuroqueer if you neuroqueer. Okay, more on neuroqueer and neuroqueering on our next episode. But to circle it all back around and close the loop, 
this is how I identify today. I am neurodivergent. I am autistic. I am ADHD. I am queer. I am neuroqueer. I am also terrified to be speaking about these concepts in fear of making a mistake or misusing words, but I know in my gut it is an important, empowering, and affirming conversation, and I'm so grateful that you are all here neuroqueering with me. I wonder if this conversation has changed how you think or speak about yourself. Please, please reach out and share your thoughts. Thank you so much for being here. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most. Fellow ADHD minds out there, I know you're going to forget. I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the NeuroQuering podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at NeuroQueerCoach. Sign up for coaching at PashaMarlow.com or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at Pasha at NeuroQueering.com. Thanks all. Happy NeuroQueering. Enjoy your day. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most. Fellow ADHD minds out there, I know you're going to forget. I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the NeuroQueering podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, Please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at NeuroQueerCoach. Sign up for coaching at PashaMarlow.com or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at Pasha at NeuroQueering.com. Thanks all. Happy NeuroQueering. Enjoy your day.